0: Carroll bringing it forward. Thompson's making the run. Carroll hangs on to it though. Still Davey Carroll could go all the way here. Oh, what a goal! <laughs>
1: I'm Phil Catchpole, and welcome to episode 18 of Ringing the Blues. On this week's show, we have all the action from Saturday's win over Rochdale, plus reaction from Gareth Ainsworth and Jason McCarthy. Eric from Chilton Samaritans tells us all about banishing the blues and Brew Monday. Plus, allow me my fanboy moment this week, as we have an interview with Wickham legend Steve Guppy. But first, let's fly to Mexico City to see our old friend Uri.
2: We're ringing the blues from Mexico City. My name is Uri, and here are the results for League One: AFC Wimbledon one, Peterborough United nil, Accrington Stanley one, Southern united two, Bolton Wanderers nil, Portsmouth one, Doncaster Rovers nil, Coventry City one. Fleetwood Town Two, Shrewsbury Town Two, Gillingham One, Oxford United One, Lincoln City One, Blackpool Nil, Milton Keynes Dons Sunderland AFC One, R- 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 Rotterdam United 3, Bristol Rovers 0, Tranmere Rovers 1, Ipswich Town 2, We Wanderers 2, Rochdale 1. And for Cherboys Spanish this week, Return of the Mac, Return of the Mac, Return of the Mac. So it goes like that. Uh, Return of the Mac in Spanish is very easy. Return of El Regreso de... El regreso. To return is regresar. El retorno de Mac. El regreso de Mac. Why did you go away, Mac? You shouldn't have left in the first place. No, don't try away luck in any other team. Your home is at the Wicom Wanderers. The Cherboys is your cherished home. You are a very good defender. We love you. Return of the Mac. Return of the Mac, and before saying goodbye and uh, sending the microphone back to England with my amigo Phil Catchpole, I have to congratulate my fellow Mexican Raúl Jiménez. At the Wolverhampton Wanderers, he's breaking records. After his two goals on Saturday, he became the topmost scorer of the Wolverhampton Wanderers. So, congratulations, Wolf of Mexico, Raúl Jiménez. And now it's time to say goodbye, and until next week, this is Uri, and this was Ringing the Blues from Mexico City. Adiós. It was banished to Blues Day at
1: Adams Park and Wickham Wanderers played their part on the pitch. They got back to winning ways in front of the home fans against Rochdale, here's what happened.
3: There's some teams really going for it, um, so whether they'll be stronger for that coming year, come Traveille we'll see. But at the moment um, it's a very open league and, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hopefully getting points back on the board Saturday and, and seeing where we can go. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a great league this season.
1: Curtis Thompson, he puts it back to Jason McCarthy, but that's quite a bit of the right-back. He has to go back to Allsop. Allsop controls. Henderson closes him down, and it's gone in. Oh, a goal from absolutely nothing. Ryan Allsop got the ball back from Jason McCarthy. He controlled, looked up. Henderson gambled, tried to charge it down. The clearance rattled straight into the uh, skipper for Rochdale and into the back of the net. 1-0 Rochdale. Back in Fem a little one-two, Wheeler then gives it to Freeman, McCarthy now on the overlap on the right-hand side, McCarthy crosses in, it dips in, and, in. and Jason McCarthy <laughs> marks his third debut for Wickham Wanderers with a goal, the knee slide in front of the Frank Saddam stand, says it all, a season of frustration unloaded on Rochdale, it's Wickham 1, Rochdale 1, McCarthy with it. Smith's got room, he's up against Matheson Smith goes on the outside He's inside the Benally, box, he's taken down Yes! Penalty. It's been him. given as a penalty to Wickham Wanderers The youngster Matheson on Paul Smith Jacobson will take the penalty against Jay Lynch Who's had a very good game Jacobson approaches the ball now, left footed And scores!
2: Wickham Wanderers no take the lead stop stoppage time <laughs> Joe
1: Jacobson, left footed penalty Gareth Ainsworth is on the pitch in his leather jacket Wickham 2, Rochdale 1 Gareth, first win after five games without a win. But we have to start off talking about your jacket. It was banished <laughs> to blue state today. You look like something out of Greece. This is fantastic. Do you know what?
3: I've had to dig deep, Phil, because I've opened my wardrobe this morning and thought I can't wear anything blue. And all I've done for seven and a half years is wear blue shirts, blue trousers. I've, I've the only other stuff I've got is my going out gear, a bit rock and roll. And uh, so I stuck that on. And uh, <laughs> the lads are saying it's got to stay now. But um, I, prefer, I feel comfortable like this. Listen, really important today was about banish the blues, banish the depression, the Samaritans who do a fantastic job, be yourself, and we were, you know, we were out there, and I said to the boys before, real good cause, no matter what happens, make sure we support this cause, and you know, I know we're going to get onto the football, but what a, what a great organisation they are and, and what a great day. What a great awareness-raiser. Even though I had to look like uh, the Fonz, somebody called me. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, here we are. Right, back to the football then. Uh, the Lake Lakeshore, Adams Park. Again, it's, it's a show that, that that happens frequently here. Uh, Joe Jacobson uh, from the penalty spot. Uh, nerves of steel as ever.
3: Yeah, you know, I want to say, uh, and I, I like... Um, you know, I like Brian the, uh, the Rochdale manager and I like the club Rochdale I think they play some real good stuff um, but I want to say we deserve that today I thought we had the majority of the chances um, we flashed at a few we didn't get you know, them perfect a couple of scares with a couple of crosses late on in the second half from them but I thought the corner count the free kick count the entries into the box must have been you know, we must have doubled them on most of those. And uh, they've got some cracking players. They do play a system where they want to keep the ball and play. And we are very countering and very forward-thinking. And uh, and Paul Smith, he was almost like there's two really youngsters starting their career on that last moment there. Matthewson and Smith. Uh, and Smith has won that one, you know. Matthewson's lunged in. I think Smith, he was waiting for it. He does that. He does it really well. Um, and Jojo, uh, JJ, nerves are still, like you say. What, what a penalty that... Uh, at that moment but um it was a tight game don't get me wrong but we did need that you know we did need that not not pressure here but just to stop that that def- run of defeats against these huge teams we've played um i wanted to beat rochdale at home today and the lads have delivered so thank you very much guys
1: it was a bit more tricky though with the nature of the goal that, that wickham conceded that must have frustrated you
3: yeah do you know and and people will probably go ryan also absolutely no chance ryan also it was it's a freak thing you know and and how many times a season have we passed back to him and Ryan's cleared it or it's hit somebody and it's gone somewhere else you do that 10 times and it goes in once and that was that once it went in today you know it's hit the guy right in the stomach and bounced right off into his stomach so no there's I think it was a poor pass in midfield to start it all off and then a a good pass back and you know I'm not gonna... I'm not going to complain about anything. I said to Double, I said, well we are well in this. That that that's what I did admire was the boys' resilience and the boys' heads. They kept them together even after that. And they kept pushing, kept probing. And I know we're gonna go on to the, the new boy, Jason McCarthy. Down that right hand side, I thought we were outstanding today. I thought there was some real creative play, some real good stuff and uh Okay, the cross shot is a is a lucky one. So
1: hold holds, on. So the yeah. right the right wing union. You're saying it was a cross because I'm fairly sure when I speak to <laughs> Jason, he's going to tell me it's a shot.
3: I've got to say that I'm sure he was standing it up to Akinfenwa Wheeler at the other side. If it's a shot, then we've got a real bargain because uh, that's a hell of a goal. But um, I'm I'm sure it was uh, it was a bit fortunate. But he deserved it. The game he had, he deserved it. He's played a part in both goals and. Uh, and he feels at home, you know, he's, uh, he's just said to me, there's something about this place, Gaffer. And I said, yeah, well, stay here then.
1: <laughs> Important on the pitch for Wickham, Jason McCarthy. But off the pitch, you know, there's still a delay to the takeover. A few fans are starting, what's going on? What's going on? But Rob Kuhig, you've just thanked him. So it's his money that's no, look, enabled him to listen, come Listen,
3: Everyone knows we're at the we're at our maximum SCMP. We can't pay anymore. The club doesn't turn over enough to, for us to smash through this financial fair play. So Rob, uh, you know, is, 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 almost said, "Yep, I'll I'll back this. I'll back getting Jason McCarthy and do it. Um, And he's backed it and I can't thank him enough. And I'm hoping it's it's uh, it's a nice treat for him. who's in his hospital bed after a hip operation in New Orleans. And that's the reason why the takeover has been delayed a little bit. There are no other reasons. I think there's lawyers and solicitors and the EFL all going through wranglings and who owns this and what's coming into the deal. And and that's going to happen. You know, I think anyone who's had a business who sold it or bought it, this thing's happened. The conspiracy, conspiracy theories can be there all they want, but believe me, um, Rob's going to be on in this club very soon, and I think he's showing what he wants to do with this club by the by the, the simple act of, of allowing me to get Jason McCarthy. And that right back was a, was an area where we needed some cover. Um, Jack's going to be out for you know a bit longer than we thought, and uh, and Jason's come in there. So thank you, Rob. Thank you, boys. Uh, I can enjoy that one but not too much because we've got Peterborough on Tuesday now
1: well, there we are if you don't leave Adams Park on a, on a massive motorbike there's no justice in this world Listen, if has got a Harley they trying <laughs> to bring down i get on it but uh, no I'm really pleased thanks for all your support and uh,
4: and what a great cause as well raising the awareness for that
1: Jason Gareth had his say on your goal um, shot or cross
4: I do them in training all the time I mean I see me <laughs> I see me down in training ground uh, nah definitely meant uh, for B um, but I'll definitely take it so yeah, <laughs> uh, good to be back. Great to be back. It feels um, feels kind of a bit like I never left really. Um, but yeah, this club has got a strong affiliation with, with me and vice versa. And um, yeah, very close to my heart. So um, it's just amazing to get the reception at the start. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Really excited.
1: Just the five appearances for Millwall since leaving Wickham. Yeah. There sense be it a release of frustration in your celebration of the goal.
4: Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm an ambitious player. I want to I want to um, do well. I want to play as hard as possible. Um, hence, I guess maybe the, the jump in the summer. Um, but you know, something about me and this club that um, just seems to keep coming back and. Uh, I just feel like, um, at my best, under Gaffer, and under, under Ainsworth, um, he gets the best out of me. And um, I run for a brick wall for him. Um, so there's this, like I said, something about that um, combination, it seems to um, feel like home and just give me the right environment to go and go and play. But yeah, like, Millwall doing really well, um, that's the first thing, you know, they're, they're doing really well as a team, I struggled with injury. Um, First time I had to sort of overcome that as well. Um, But yeah, for one reason or another, I wasn't playing, I wasn't getting the game time. And um, it came about that I was available for loan and uh, there was only one club.
1: It was uh, reports that Portsmouth and Oxford and and maybe a few others as well, so there was nowhere else but Adams Park.
4: Yeah, like I said, there there was only one club in my heart. Um, There was a a few takers, um, but yeah, there was only one. And... um, I could see from the outside that something special is brewing, um, and I would absolutely love and be privileged to be a part of it. So I'm delighted I'm here. I just want to help the club as best as I can, um, and uh, see where it goes. And uh, but I'm really excited to be back. Um, very thankful to the the, the board um, for managing to get it over the line and get me back in the door. Um, I'm very thankful to Gaffer for just showing the constant faith in me that he continues to show. Um, and all I can do is try and repay the fans, try and repay him and the club um, because it, yeah, it just means so much to me. And uh, it just, it's definitely got a personal feel to it.
1: Uh, Gareth Ainsworth likes to get as much as he can out of his small uh, transfer budget. There's no backup goalkeeper for him at the moment because Cameron Yates is injured. Uh, <laughs> he must remember your stint in goal as well because you can cover that position too, can't you?
4: Uh, it's funny actually because Blooms was joking about my uh, my loan contract I was signing him saying is that as backup goalie or is right-back? <laughs> so yeah, it's already been mentioned um, but look, wherever Gav wants me to do a job I'll do a job. Um, but yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, why not? If, it, if the opportunity came around then i will do it for him, why not, yeah.
1: As Gareth said, Saturday was all about banishing the Blues. So after the game, I spoke to Eric Shulton of Chilton Samaritans about the work they do at this time of year and what they were doing at Adams
5: Park. It has been a fantastic day, obviously helped by the result, but it started off very well already. Um, we've been here the whole afternoon and uh, the fans have been fantastic, welcoming us, smiling at us, donating money to us and listening to our story and taking our tea bags. Blue Monday is next Monday and that is when the third Monday of the year and that is sort of seen as the most depressing day of the year, allegedly. It is because the nights are still long and it's still horrible weather and yeah, it's it's still January um, and that's called Blue Monday and we've made a variation on that and say let's banish the blues and call it Brew Monday and uh, under a, a sort of the theme of uh, uh, have a cup of tea with someone, um, uh, someone you know, someone maybe you don't know um, because I think we need to encourage that we talk to each other and we listen to each other and that can be helpful a lot and that we go through things together in good times and in maybe not so good times. And that's the theme.
1: Well, it's a great message and, and Wickham Wanderers have really taken that on board today. They, they played in their, in their change kit, we call it the mango kit, Rochdale as well in their, in their bright pink kit as well. So plenty of colour here as well and, and lots of smiling faces too, but it must be a great opportunity
5: to, to reach thousands of people with this fantastic message you have. It it is, for us, a fantastic opportunity, and we're really grateful to Wiccan Wonders Food Club to give us that opportunity. Uh, The sad thing is that uh, last year, six and a half thousand people took their life, and um, actually, suicide is still the biggest killer for men under 50. And for that reason, we continue to campaign. uh, To campaign about the importance of talking and listening, and the campaign to say that if you go through a tough time, uh, reach out to a friend, And if not, uh, call Samaritans, yeah, it's 116123. We have 18,000 volunteers and they're there to to listen to the people who go through a tough time. And uh, today was a fantastic day to increase that awareness around the organisation and around the importance of taking time to listen and taking the courage to talk.
1: Many thanks to Eric and the team at Chilton Samaritans. Have a brew Monday, any Monday this January or February, or any day that's good for you, really. It's good to talk, remember that. Stay tuned for the interview with former Wiccan Wanderers wing wizard, Steve Guppy. But before that, we must find out what the Rochdale fans made of the game at Adams Park on Saturday. 1907. Really, really frustrating that we did such a good job
6: and pretty much nullified their attacking threat. I've never seen us do so well against Akin Fenway before. But Shane and O'Connell were outstanding and they dealt with everything. We played some good stuff and should have scored a couple more. I can't believe we're coming away from that game with an out. Reg Jenkins. Before we start to take young Matheson to bits for the penalty, let's just remember That our ageing forwards, with experience to burn, should have had that game tucked up and in bed way before the 93rd minute. 49th season. Matheson is 17 years old and he's bound to make mistakes. If any player warrants criticism, it's the stump of a number nine that we have persisted with for far too long. He had two or three decent chances today and inevitably failed to get on the score sheet. Andrew has none of the natural instincts of a striker and we should ship him out now. He had his last chance today and he failed the test. Sean. I'd rather lose by three goals than by one goal in the last minute. I reckon we've conceded more goals in the last ten minutes of games than anyone else in England over the past three seasons. There are still some positives to be found, though. We're a squad ravaged by injury, and that team today is not remotely close to being full strength. Yet, despite that, we've outplayed, for large parts, the (laughs) allegedly second best team in the league, and been undeservedly beaten in the final minute. If we ever manage to get a fully fit squad, We're comfortably a top-half team. Oxdale. Ainsworth won that. About 15 minutes from the end, Matheson misplaced a pass and Ainsworth called one of his subs over, immediately put him on and stuck him up against Matheson. And it was that sub that was brought down by a tiring 17-year-old in the 94th minute on a heavy pitch. PIONEER That was a truly terrible pitch! Can we blame Rochdale Hornets? Have have they been playing a few pre-season games there?
1: Right, if I told my 14-year-old self I'd be talking to Steve Guppy on the phone one day, I don't think he'd have believed it. My favourite ever Wickham Wanderers player, and I'm sure some of the people listening to this podcast would agree with me as well. Steve Guppy, quite simply, Wickham legend. Welcome to Ringing the Blues. How are you? Well,
7: wow, that was a very nice intro. I've not I've not been talking to you that nicely for quite a while, so uh, I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for asking.
1: Well, you are a Wickham legend, and I'm of an age where I remember that Martin O'Neill team like it was yesterday, and you were an integral part of it. Let's start there. What was it like to play in that team?
7: Yeah, it, you know what? It's funny because like, I was only talking about this um, a week ago. When when um, I know we will get to it later. Well, the new new job I'm at now, we all had to introduce ourselves and um, and give a little speech about where we where we've come from, how we got there and um, aspirations and things achieved and bloody blah. And I found myself talking about my career and then going back to my favourite part of my career. And and of course, it was nice to play for Leicester City in the Premiership and, you know, that was absolutely amazing. But I found myself going back to my Wiccan Wanderers days because it was new... It was exciting and it was, you know, and it felt like an adventure. And we all, the players, we're all in very, all had very similar sort of um, reasons for being there where, you know, it may be not gone quite so well at another club and we're all still young where we still had a chance to pull it round and and we were all really, I tell you what we all were, we were really hungry. Jim signed me, which it was, that was almost funny in itself really but I'd had a few trial games in the reserves and I got at Wickham and I got told that they had to get rid of a few players before I could, they could sign me It was basically a no So uh, I, I went off and I was on my way to Exeter To have a trial at Exeter A Wickham Wanderers invite for pre-season uh, Just fell on my doorstep uh, through the post And I, I think it was just purely I was on their mail list Because I'd, I'd had a few trial games there So I thought, you know what, I'll go to Wickham To use Wickham to get fit to go to Exeter Fate played a part that day where I didn't realise But we... Um, we, we had a little run around Bisham Abbey. Then we had almost like an hour-long game, you know, which I suppose they wouldn't really do these days, but that's what we did. eleven v eleven. And I didn't know, but I was I was actually playing up against the first team right back. I had no idea. It was just it was just training. I think I maybe had done quite well that day. I maybe uh, beat him a few times, or what have you, in training. So as I was way out the door, I poked my head round to see Jim Carman to thank him for for letting me train because I was off to Exeter and he says, hold on a minute, where are you going? So I ended up staying at Wickham. So that's how it all started, I guess.
1: Can you imagine what would have happened had you gone to Exeter? I mean, I think my life would have been different along with a lot of other Wickham fans, surely.
7: It's incredible, isn't it? When you when you think of it, how, how you know, you need a bit of luck and, you know, and, you know, it's never plain sailing, you know, when we work with young footballers now and you think, you know what? It's a roller coaster ride. It really is. Um, I was working on a building site at that time, and the guy I was working for offered to double my money not to sign for Wickham because he wanted me to become a bricklayer, and I was I was toying with that as well. Would you believe? So it was, it was an. Yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes you think things are done for a reason, and I don't know what. Um, Exeter weren't happy, by the way, when I rang and said I'm not going there. They weren't happy about that, but uh, who knows? Maybe they would have said no, and. But anyway, I ended up at Wickham, and it was it was obviously a right decision. I was sort of bouncing around there, really, not really playing. I uh, have this laugh with John Kerr because I was sort of having the odd game, and then John Kerr would be, you know, the American winger who Jim Cowman loved, and uh, he'd be he'd be off home somewhere. Then next thing you know, he'd, he'd turn up out of the blue, and I'd be dropped. So I always used to joke that I was checking checking flights in and out of America and mornings of games to see if he was coming in or not. I think my, the big breakthrough for me was a, an FA Cup game against Baldock Town where we were, we were expected to win. We were away from home. It was nil-nil. I was on the bench and, and Jim like, thought he'd give me a, a chance for 20 minutes to go and um, I set one up. In fact, I set both goals up. We won 2-0. And uh, that just felt like a turning point for me.
1: Am I right in remembering that when you were playing for Wickham in that in that conference team, a lot of you were bailiffs? Is that right?
7: Yeah, I did. It was that was uh, that was Matt Crosley's fault. Where when I first when I first came to Wickham, it was the money obviously wasn't good enough wasn't enough to survive on. But what the chairman did either because he had a he had a clubhouse, so I moved in there with Andy Kerr, which was you know the first time I moved away from home and all the rest of it. So that was, that, was, that was funny. You know, it was real baptism of fire, sort of, you know, moving in with him. And then before long, I have to say, within a couple of years, there about five or six of us living in this, this two-bedroom bungalow. All, all the lads, you know, just similar, with, with, whether they'd split up with their missus or they'd just signed as well. There was lads living in the front room, and it was like, it was like the film Porky's. It was, <laughs> it was incredible, really. It was an um, uh, absolute fun time, I have to say, really fun time. But yeah, but one of the one of the the understanding when I signed for Wickham was that the, the chairman either Biggs would give me a job on his, on the building site just doing some labouring, which I which I hated, no doubt. So Matt Crawley was doing a bit of bailiffing, which was an even worse job, and I, I helped out with that for a little period, but I uh, ultimately got sacked from that after a few weeks because uh, I uh, I left early because we were playing Witton Albion and we were we were getting on a coach on a Friday night. I was going to miss the coach, so I dropped everything and left it. And uh, they uh, they sacked me off the back of that, so I wasn't too bothered, to be
1: honest. Well, let's get back to the football then. That Wigan Wanderers team, FA Trophy winners, 91-93, Conference Champions, 92-93, playoff winner, 1994. Tremendous times for the club, but you were there for all of those.
7: It was incredible, and, you know, and, and that was a fantastic experience. I mean, but, you know, I have to go back to... You know, Jim Cowman was, was great, gave me my chance and, and he was a good coach, Jim, but things didn't work out and, and he left. And then the the thing that really turned it round for all of us, and I think all the players will say the same, was the day Martin O'Neill walked through the door. He was different, you know, installed a belief in us and a, and a will to win that was probably missing in all our careers. You know, as young players, he obviously inherited and he always says that he inherited a really strong side that was probably underachieving, maybe, um, you know, people like Dave Carroll, Matt Crosley, Keith Ryan was just there and thereabouts as well. We were all in the kind of reserves, in and out of the first team at the same time. Martin O'Neill came in and saw something in all of us and give us such a lift, but also a will to win. I mean, I, I get asked a lot, you know, what, what was it that Martin O'Neill did for me to really help me? And there was so many things, but in them early days, I think he taught me, if I'm being honest to to stop feeling sorry for myself, you know it's, it's such a roller coaster ride, and he just sort of just see through all that all the fog and just really concentrate on on getting better and trying to win games and 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 that's what he did and we went on a hell of a journey, obviously moving to the new stadium helped as well, but it was an in, incredible story now that first time, going back to this this interview I did with the with the rest of the staff recently you know playing for Wem- at Wembley at the first time you know, for the first time, rather, is one of those moments in life. You know, when you walk out, you, know, you dream as a kid of walking out the tunnel at Wembley, at the old Wembley, walking up the tunnel to to be meted by the crowd and what have you. It's one of those few moments in life, which is every bit as good as you imagine it would be. So all those things happened in a, in a, in a period of time at Wickham where... We, we sort of all pulled our careers round and started moving in the right direction
1: the Wembley days out were fantastic and I, I remember them as if they were yesterday but there's one night in particular that I know a lot of Wiccan fans remember, it's been mentioned on this podcast a few times, run corner at home in the league, under the lights at Adams Park yeah. I think you scored possibly the finest wickham Wanderers goal I've ever seen
0: I've well, certainly heard of High Wickham all right as Guppy comes forward this is a great run by Guppy He took it all of 70 yards And finished with all the nonchalance of a
7: stroll in the park But it's the goal that seals a 4-1 victory surely now I think about this goal quite a bit Just go back a, maybe a couple of years When I finished this silly bailiffing and all that I uh, didn't have much money But, but we are all in the same boat So it didn't really matter so I had enough to feed you know, feed myself and what have you. So what I decided to do, even though we are in the league, I decided to go professional because uh, I was fed up with waiting to become a professional footballer. So I decided to go pro myself. But Basically what I did, I just didn't have a job and I went out and trained myself every day. And it's something I have to be honest, I did throughout my whole career. And I think it was more to do with the extra training, I used a lot of visualisation when I was doing it, like crossing balls, imagine, you know, and knowing when you've crossed the ball right, that that would be in the right area, and thinking I'd be doing that come the match day. And it helped me a great deal, and I try and pass it on as a coach now, because, you know, I, I think if I did that during the week, then come the weekend, I'd look at my full i will be up against and go, do you know what, I've worked harder than you, I've prepared better than you, and it just gave me the confidence I needed to really try and to kick on. But that goal, that goal against Runcorn, I'd been working on, on something similar on my own for maybe one or two years where I'd be going in against the keeper and then I'd shape to look like I was going to strike it and then I'd dink it over him because I see it on TV. I uh, think Gary Lineker used to do it a lot. And, uh, so uh, I've been practicing that on my own with no keeper, just imagining it, just running, like dropping my shoulder. And so it's funny, when Paul Hyde played me that ball and um, the defender came towards me, I dropped my shoulder and burst past him, I was probably around about the halfway line and I knew at that point I was in on goal because I knew the pace I was going at. I could see out of my, you know, out of the corner of my eye that the center half wasn't getting there and the midfielder was chasing me. You know, I he wasn't, so I knew I was in on goal. So from it was weird from that halfway line till like, I, I got to the goalkeeper. I was having a conversation with myself in my mind where I'm like, right, what am I going to do here? And I'm like, you're going to chip him. You're going to chip. You're going to chip him. You've been working on this. You're going to do it. I'm like, I don't know, you know, it's like a mad sort of conversation with my mind. And then I got to the point where I've just passed the halfway and I'm like, I'm chipping him. If, if it doesn't work, then, then to hell with it. Oh, that's what I'm doing. And it just all played out really well because I, I just, so I sort of made my mind up, knew what I was going to do. So this all almost got rid of all the clutter out of my head. So I knew what it was going to do and I was all, almost went into autopilot where I just worked on going as hard as I could keeping the ball under as much control as I could Then the moment the keeper made his move out towards me I was going to dink him and uh, thankfully it played
1: out you nearly did it again in the same game I remember it incredibly well as well same wing on the commentary on the clip on YouTube you you watch it back you can almost see what there is is there's an audible sigh as you don't go for goal and you just cut it back across goal Simon Hutchinson comes in and scores instead but I think we're all willing you on just to do it one more time
0: now Guppy again Surely he can't reproduce it here. Oh, he's squared it across. Now, Hutchinson. Yes! Simon Hutchinson makes it five. And the celebrations continue for Wickham.
7: I know, I do remember that. And and it was, I remember thinking it's on again. But there was a centre-half just coming over and and I think what I was going to do I was kind of trying to lash it to the far post but then I just see out of the corner that Simon was wide open and at that point you know I just it just felt like the right thing to do and I do remember when I passed it the side thinking oh maybe I should have shot but then, obviously, Simon scored, so it was the right decision.
1: We could probably talk all day about Wickham Wanderers, but you've had such a great career. I often thought about writing a, a pub quiz where you were the answer to every question because there's some great things that you've got here. <laughs> First ever player to play for England Under-21, semi-pro B and the full England team. First player to play at the Old Wembley and the New Wembley. First player to win medals at the Old Wembley and the New Wembley. You must look back on all of these playing days with, with some massive pride, Steve, surely.
7: Of course, it was, it was great you know all I ever really wanted to be was to be a professional footballer so you know with that in mind it was it was fantastic yeah. not bad for someone who couldn't edit or tackle I suppose but it was a great journey but as always it goes too quickly it would have been nice to get into the game a bit younger and you know I had to wait to really you know become professional apart from when I did it in my own mind but to we'll go professional with a club with Wickham we had to win the league to do that and of course that year that Colchester pipped us, held us back a year Yeah, it, it's, it's, it was a fantastic journey but it all goes so quickly.
1: Right, Martin O'Neill, we mentioned him earlier in this interview but he's played a huge part in your career. You left Wickham went to Newcastle, didn't work out there, then Port Vale and then y- you re-meet again with Martin O'Neill at Leicester.
7: Yeah it was funny really, things were going a little the house where we lived was lovely but, but the training facilities were awful, really bad, like a ploughed field and there was like a glue factory that backed out onto the training ground so there was an actual you know slight aroma of glue smell of glue that that made you feel sick you know and didn't help me when i used to go out in the afternoons trying to work on crossing and things like that but anyway things were going well and we played everton in the fa cup we had a replay we went up to to everton drew 2-2 came back to the potteries to the to vale vale park and it was such a sellout, I got caught out in the traffic because of little windy roads to the stadium. Anyway, I'm queuing up for ages and I realise I'm going to miss the game if I don't do something. So uh, I pull over and I run, I run into the, to the stadium. There's a couple of miles, I'm in my suit. So I, when I arrive to the sta- I arrive at the stadium just before the team sheet goes in, so I'm OK to play. So I don't go out and do a warm-up because I've done it. So i just lie on the on the treatment table, you know, my gear, just, just sort of recovering, having a bit of a massage and that, trying to recover. But that game turned out to be so mass important to me because Martin O'Neill was there. I know that um, Steve Wolford had been watching me against QPR a few weeks earlier when I'd scored. So I know they were interested in me. Again... Which was uh, which was amazing, really, because when I went to Newcastle, my <laughs> Gaffer wouldn't talk to me for a year. Did hold a bit of a grudge for a while. So yeah, so um, that game, we uh, we knocked Everton out of the cup. I managed to set up the winner, and you know it, it went. It, you know I, I felt I played pretty well, and uh, sure enough, I got a call from the manager, which probably shouldn't have rang me, but to say that he'd made a bid for me, and you know, and if they accept it, then get yourself to Leicester. If they if he didn't if they didn't accept it, he was going to sign someone else from Hearts. So you can imagine the night of uh, that was when I'm waiting for the call in the morning to see if I'm if, if Port Vale are going to turn down the bid or whether they're going to accept it. So that was a sleepless night. Thankfully for me, John Rudge rang me eight o'clock in the morning, said they've accepted the bid. Get yourself up to Leicester, and um, you know that was the start.
1: So Martin O'Neill didn't speak to you for for a whole year because you left Wickham to join Newcastle.
7: Yes, that's true. <laughs>
1: um,
7: and even to this day, even to this day, if um if I do something or, or it will eventually, it creeps into the conversation about me going to Newcastle. And even to this day, he still has a go at me about it. Fantastic, um, you know. But uh, it was uh, there was a time when I I think I scored a goal for Leicester or set a goal up. It must you know in a cup final, I think it was. And um and he after the game he said, "That's us finished with Newcastle. Now i have forgiven you." He's since I think he's since forgotten that and he, he he still reminds me of it
3: every now and
1: then. You went a lot of places with, with Martin O'Neill. I remember watching the Republic of Ireland play and there was a shot of the bench and I always love seeing Martin O'Neill because wherever he goes, I feel like he's, he's a Wiccan man. And I look at the bench and there's Steve Walford, Paul Franklin and you on the bench and I was like, wow. He's even sat to the Republic of Ireland with him as well.
7: I know. I know. It gets back to you. You need Obviously, you need a lot of luck in this game and thankfully for me, there was a manager who saw something in me, as he did, you know, a lot of the other lads, who was going, in, he was going somewhere, you know, he was going in the right direction. And um, he believed in me and um, got the best out of me, the simple lads, you know. And that's, that's really all you can ask for as a manager. And he, he installed, as I said, that belief of, um, you know, self-belief. And he's one of them few guys that you meet that when he praises you, you feel praised and it makes you feel 10 foot tall and all the wickham lads will say exactly that all the Leicester lads all the Southwick lads they'll all say that um you know it's it's got that that knack of of um of making you just you know feel you're, you're better than you are i guess you know obviously the flip side is that if you um if you don't produce and you don't bring it then you see another side of him and uh, and I, i've seen all of it you know i really have you know it's it's um you know it you know he it, it demands you know a uh, uh, you know that you you step up and and bring it every day. So uh, there are occasions where I didn't you know make the grade and, and I was firmly put in my place. But it's I think as a coach and as a manager you want people around you you know you can trust and uh, you know like I like to think I can you know I am that person you know and I've been like that for him and uh, it's been an you know an amazing journey as a player and now as a coach having worked with him as a player he taught me so much and also. Now, as a coach, he's um, he taught me a, a hell of a lot as well.
1: One of the most famous days for Wickham Wanderers, you were on the pitch, but not in the Wickham shirt. It was uh, Leicester Wickham in the Cup. Uh, that must have been a strange day for you.
7: Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's, it was it, it was a strange period. Martin Hill obviously left Wickham, um, Leicester. Left Leicester. Um, Peter Taylor had come in. Peter Taylor's a good coach, but he um, for the moment he went in there, he didn't really want me, didn't really want me around, didn't want me in the team, which is fine. It was actually a funny, a funny moment when uh, he, uh, he came in. We played Aston Villa first game of the season and, and before that, I played it nearly every minute in every game and, and you know, uh, under Martin, it was fantastic. He left. Peter Taylor coming, I'm not even sub. For the first game, I didn't see it coming, to be honest. So, typical selfish player. After the game, which we drew, come Monday morning, I'm at the training ground waiting to see the manager it's funny. I had it in my head that I wanted to be there before him. Don't ask me why. So I'm in in the car park about half seven in the morning. He comes in and he sees me at the corner of his eye, so he knows what's coming. So he gets in his office. Minute later, I'm knocking on the door. What to go in? And I'm like, you know, what is it? What what you know what what's the, what's going on? It was funny because he was a nice guy, Peter. You know, he just he got he had this magnetic board of a pitch on the on the wall like all coaches have. And he he was moving around the, the pieces of, of on this magnetic board to sh- to show the players, and he said, "Steve, it's it's like this. We look a we look a better team. We we look a better te- we look a better team when you're not in it." And it was it was just such a funny moment when he was trying to search for the word to um, to try and let me down gently, and he couldn't think of it, and then he just hit me with a sledgehammer, basically like after the first game. So uh, it was actually. It was a, mo- a moment. I looked at him. He looked at me, and we both burst out laughing. So uh, <laughs> that was my my time. That was my time under Peter Taylor. I was in and out of the team. So basically, I'm building up excuses for uh, for why we lost to Wickham. But uh, sadly for me, I actually recalled me to play Wickham, and uh, no, it was it was, uh, you know, we had. It's just one of them games where it didn't work out for us and Wickham hung in there, did a fantastic job on us and and of course the the lad who scored the winning goal, great goal by the way, and the story behind him made it all the more magical for Wickham and yeah, but, you know, knocked us out and went on to play Liverpool in the semifinals. So, uh, you know, fair play to them.
1: Right, let's move to the present day then. As we speak, you're in Nashville in the United States. Mm. And what, what takes you out there?
7: I had, a uh, later on in my career, I bounced around playing for a number of teams. But then I, I, I ended up at uh, DC United. You know, I think it was 95, 96. So I went to play in the MLS for a period. Injuries caught up with me and it didn't work out for a number of reasons. But it stuck with me. I loved it. I loved the experience and just it just felt new, fresh, exciting. So when that time finished there I, I went back to England and um, Gary Smith, who like I say was a teammate of Wickham, you know, as, as a lot of the Wickham players, we all stayed in touch to this day. You know, we all we all talk, I talk to Matt Crosley all the time. Keith Ryan, Glenn Creaser, you know, it just its it's a a magical time. But Smudge is someone that I really stayed close with and we went on holiday every year. And it's almost like we've been planning it for years. We're talking about coaching all the time, talking about this, that and the other. And I came back from DC United and I said, Smudge, we got to get out to America. This is the place. You know, it's just, you know, we love it. And incredibly, within a few years, I was then player assistant coach at a team called rochester rhinos who um play in the usl one league below the mls that job came out of nowhere and i'm out there so as the first steps into into coaching i mean i was like 39 trying to grind out a career still playing which was a bit painful at times but but more importantly it, it put me on the road to coaching and and gary smith because he his injuries meant he finished his career earlier he was working for Arsenal, and he ended up at Colorado, Colorado Rapids, helping trying to set up an academy. And within a short space of time, the manager there did a runner or something and and, um, and left. And Gary was like putting his interim head coach. And before you know it, he he turned that that team around, done really well. My season ended at Rochester, and I went in there with him as his assistant, and and we, and we had a, in a, you know a, an amazing amazing period there in two years where. Where we, we ended up winning the MLS Cup in 2010, and I think um, Gary's only like the fifth or sixth Englishman ever to win a league outside of uh, outside of England, you know, so uh, it was uh, some experience. So, with that in mind, we all went our separate ways, and I carried on my coaching profession, you know, under Martin O'Neill again, and uh, fast forward to today, and uh, Gary's the head coach of the new MLS team here in Nashville, so he... Um, Got me in as an assistant, and um, you know I'm excited to be back here again.
1: So it's a new franchise. It's you and into Miami this this season, and and you're back there with Gary. So I reckon a lot of Wiccan fans may well adopt Nashville as their MLS team.
7: Well, that'd be very kind of them. I mean, it's an incredible challenge. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. it's a brand new team. So you know that that's you know, we we leave actually. Um, I'm sat in the training ground now. We leave tomorrow to Florida for two weeks on a training camp we're back for three days and we're there again for another three weeks. So basically a five week, we're going to lock ourselves away for five weeks because it's a brand new team. So we have to try and mould a system, mould a team in that time. So uh, incredible challenge. But, you know, we're all really, really excited about it. And uh, one one thing that we did do or I'm really interested in, the the reason I got into coaching was I'm really into position specific work, uh, namely the art of taking players on. You know, the art of 1v1s, I'm sure you'd be surprised to hear that. Because I just remember when I was playing, you know, uh, there'd be days when I'd be taking a player on and it felt really good. And it felt fairly easy. And then there'd be other days where I'd take a player and I'd be like pulling teeth. Same player. Um, and And I started to look back over footage and over a period of months. I started to study it, and over a, over a period of, of the last couple of years, I've been working on like a 1v1 formula that I try and teach the players just to try and offer them up little little ideas. Um, because when I was growing up, you know, and, and teams to this day, to get the shape and all that, they play a lot of two-touch. So I've been playing two-touch in training a week, and then come the weekend, you know, they would be going, listen, get out your fullback. Like, well, that's all well and good. But we've been practicing two-touch all week, so now you want me to take players on. And, and I think in England, if you look about our wingers over the last 10, 20 years, we're, we're a nation of give-and-go men where we don't we haven't got that many players who actually truly take players on. And I think it's a little bit of a forgotten art. So there's something that I'm really, really passionate about, and we, we do a hell of a lot. We're going to be doing a hell of a lot of 1v1 training here, starting the warm-ups. I'll be taking them for the warm-ups to get the repetitions in, Cause I think if you can little, do a little drop of the shoulder without thinking you're doing it, without realising you're doing it, then you're onto something. But that takes a lot of practice and we're hoping to sort of integrate that in the warm-ups to get the repetitions and then practice. Because just want the wide players, when they get a 1v1 moment, to look forward to it and be confident and, and see the pitches and, and want to execute it. So, um, you know, that for me is what I'm, I'm really excited about going into this season.
1: Well, I know fans love watching players take their full-back on as well, so good luck with that. And good luck this season as well. One last question from me. I, I was reading your athletic interview, and it said that you were a really keen fisherman. I'm looking at it going, Steve, guppy into fishing. Is this a wind-up? Is that true, Steve? Come on, tell me tell me the truth now.
7: Sadly, it is. I know, it's it's something... That, do you know what? It's I, I think the sort of person I am, I'm pretty obsessive when it comes to things I like. So coaching i'm obsessive i'm on it i'm non-stop so but the the flip side is you know and the family as well we have a family it, it it consumes you and i just come to realize that i need that little bit of escapism and fishing fishing brings that for me uh, where i can just lock myself well, i'll be honest when i was living in england i i'd sometimes go to france for a week Fishing and things like that on my own, so uh, I just needed that little bit of escapism, and I thoroughly enjoy it. Because the moment I go fishing, I go fishing for carp mainly, because um, they're just really quite elusive things. And from the moment I get there, I just lose myself in in just another world where I'm just trying to think, how am I going to try and catch a fish? So I don't worry about football or or anything else going on in my life. I can just, and and I, and I think it's good for me. I come to that conclusion, so. Uh, you know, read into that where you want
1: Steve it's been an absolute pleasure and have a great season with Nashville I'm sure we'll all be watching on in Bucks here and willing you and Smithy on
7: well thank you a lot and, uh, and I hope Wickham go up this year it's been a fantastic season so far for them as well so thank you very much
1: Right, that's your lot for this week. Many thanks to Vital Len, Eric Shulton and Chilton Samaritans, Steve Guppy and Christina mayor Belder of Nashville SC. If you can't make the trip to Peterborough, then full commentary will be on BBC Three Counties 98FM and on iFollow. We'll be back next week on Ringing the Blues with news of Wickham's trip to the posh and loads more. Come on, you blues.